Turn to Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah 7. We're going to take a few weeks and talk about Christmas. And the title of this short series, just for the month of December, is called, And They Shall Call Him. And they shall call Him. And the first one is Emmanuel. What we're going to do is look in Matthew chapter 1 and see the names that they call Jesus at His birth. What we call Jesus matters. And Matthew 1 gives us three names for Him that were given to Him at His birth. And the one we're going to look at first will be Emmanuel. Matthew 1, verse 18. says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ, there's the other two, by the way, was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that means engaged, before they came together, before they were married, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's what the word or the name Emmanuel means. God with us. Now he quotes Isaiah. So look at Isaiah chapter 7 verse 10. Moreover, the word of the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? Will you weary God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Here's the prophecy. Now, this happened 740 years before Jesus. And when you first examine it, it seems like Ahaz gave a spiritual answer. Ahaz was the king of Judah, and this talks about Judah and it talks about David. Here the prophet comes and says, God wants to give you a sign. The enemy Syria was attacking them at that time, and God wants to give you a sign that He's going to preserve you, that He's not going to allow you to be wiped off the face of the earth. God wants to give you a sign to show you, to confirm to you His plan for the tribe of Judah, for the house of David. So ask a sign. And Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to ask a sign. I'm not going to test the Lord. Now that sounds real spiritual, but listen to me. It wasn't spiritual. He had already made a behind-the-scenes, under-the-table, serious vacuum. He's already made an agreement with the king of Assyria. And he's going to sell all of the people into bondage to save his life. And he doesn't want to ask a sign from God. Here's the reason. He didn't do it so that he wouldn't test the Lord. He did it so he wouldn't have to trust the Lord. That was his reasoning. If God gives a sign, I have to trust God then. I have to believe Him. And it's a whole lot easier for me to do this thing I've got worked out under the table over here than to believe God for our provision and our protection. That's why Isaiah said, you know, this is not right. But he said, you know what? God's going to give you a sign anyway. Here's the sign. A virgin's going to conceive. Now listen to me carefully. This was not talking about some theologians thought it was talking about Isaiah's wife. Isaiah had already had one child. She wasn't a virgin. 
wasn't talking about Isaiah's wife. It was talking about Jesus who was coming, Emmanuel, God with us. It's talking about the greatest gift that's ever going to be given. And here's what he's trying to say. You have to understand, King Ahaz, that this is through the line of Judah. The Messiah comes through the line of Judah of the house of David. That's already been prophesied. And the Messiah hasn't come yet. What you don't understand is there's no way that God would allow you to be wiped off the face of the earth because the Messiah hasn't come yet. You're not getting it. Now, listen to me. This applies to every one of us here. What Isaiah was saying is God has a greater plan and you're going to get to make it through because of the greater plan. When the enemy comes against you, here's what you need to understand. You're going to make it through because God has a plan. And you are part of that plan. And so he gives the famous verse, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. In that verse, there are some very, very important things that we need to look at. Number one, here's the first thing. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe, as believers in Jesus Christ, we believe in the virgin birth. It is important to believe in the virgin birth. Do you understand that even today, there is a battle against believing in the virgin birth? And what is amazing to me is that people don't believe that a virgin could conceive without a man, and yet God can create anything He wants. Certainly God could create a child in a virgin. And why is it so important to believe in the virgin birth? It's important because the virgin birth boldly declares that Jesus was God. And Jesus is God. Let me just review these scriptures. Verse 18 says, She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me carefully. Jesus was not conceived by a man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand this because He was fully God and fully man. God took the egg and the womb of a woman, but He took the seed from Himself. And it's very important for us to understand that because sin is in the seed. You understand that your children are born with a sin nature. Here's what the Bible says. The iniquities of the fathers are passed down to the children to the third and fourth generation. It never says the iniquities of the mothers. I know many of you ladies are thinking right now, yeah, I can see it in my children. And I knew they got it from him, not from me. Well, you got it from your father. Because a man conceived you. So there's a sin nature that's passed down. Here's why we need to understand about the virgin birth. Jesus didn't have a sin nature. The sin was not passed down to Him, even though He was born and He was carried in the womb of a woman. His Father is God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that means that He was fully God. Do you realize that the same discussion that they were having 2,000 years ago, people are still having today. Jesus said, who is everybody saying that I am? And you know what people say today? They say the same thing. Well, some say you're a good man. You ever heard that? You know, Jesus was a good man. Or here's another one. Jesus was a prophet. He was a prophet. Listen very closely to me. Jesus was not a messenger sent by God. He was God with a message. That was better than you thought. He was not a messenger sent by God. He was God Himself with the message. You see, if you don't believe in the virgin birth, 
then you believe that he was simply a human. But he wasn't. He was God. He was God himself because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. By the way, (laughs) you are born with corruptible seed. You're born with seed that is corrupted. Every one of you here. Here's what 1 Peter, though, says. Don't you know you were born again with incorruptible seed? (laughs) Man, that's good news, isn't it? When I got born again, God became my father. So, we believe in the virgin birth. Here's the second thing. We believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, I'm getting this from the verse. The virgin shall be with child, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. We believe Jesus came in the flesh. I'll give you some scripture. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 John 4, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, now this might shock some of you, and is now already in the world. I don't know if that shocks you, but 1900 years ago, the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world. I know you all look into someone you think is coming, but the spirit's already here. Second John verse 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out in the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, it's very important for us to believe in the virgin birth. Because it shows the deity of God. It shows that that Jesus is God. It's very important for us to believe that Jesus came in the flesh. I want you to think about this for a minute. Why is it important to believe? See, we believe Jesus was fully God and fully man on this earth. Why is it important to believe that He was a man? Alright, let me tell you. Because if He wasn't a man, then He didn't die. And if He didn't die, He didn't pay for your sins. And if he didn't pay for your sins, you haven't been redeemed. You understand that in the same way the world, the spirit of Antichrist says, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. And they fight against the virgin birth. Here's the other thing that the world fights, the spirit of the world fights against. That Jesus, that God became a man. And I'm telling you, it's important for us to understand that He became a man. Because if He didn't become a man, He didn't really die for our sins. You know what it is? It's just a grand illusion. God pretended to be a man. That's what the world would want us to believe. God pretended to be a man, but He wasn't actually a man. Well, if He wasn't actually a man, then He just pretended to atone for our sins also. But I want to tell you something. If you saw the movie, The Passion... Okay, I understand that was just a movie... But I want you to know, 2,000 years ago, something like that happened. My Lord was literally beaten. My Lord literally suffered. And my Lord literally died for my sins. He bled 
and died on the cross. Here's the great news. And my Lord literally rose from the grave. (laughs) Conquered death. But He had to die. He had to die to pay for our sins. And He had to rise from the grave for us to be able to walk in that newness of life. Now, Hebrews 2.14, and I want to just go to the New Living Translation on the PowerPoint. Let me read you Hebrews 2.14 in the New Living Translation, alright? Verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could He die, And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Here's what this is saying. We were held in bondage by the power of death. And the only way that he could break that power was to die. Well, he's God. He can't die. So he had to become a man. He had to come in human form. So God, fully God, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit... But born of a woman, became a man, and died. This is so good. I understand everyone here is going to die unless Jesus comes back before that time, and that's possible. Other than that, everyone here is going to face death, walk through death's doorway. I don't know if you heard about the guy sent out an email a while back. He said, my wife's at death's doorway, and the doctor's trying his best to pull her through. You can ask someone later about it. Every one of us are going to walk through the doorway of death. Here's the great news. Jesus has already walked through that door. You don't have to fear death. Because your Lord has already faced it and conquered it. And let me tell you something else that that I get out of this passage. Many of you know my wife's father went to be with the Lord this year. That's the closest person to Debbie and me we've ever lost. It was very difficult. Very difficult. How many of you here have lost someone close to you? I see him. That's most of us, isn't it? God lost someone close to him also. God the Son became a human, and God the Father watched a human suffer and die. I was sharing this with one person. The person said, yeah, but he knew that he was going to rise again. So do we. (laughs) So do we. But it's still tough. It's still tough to watch someone you love suffer and bleed to death. And yet God did. This is what Christmas is. Christmas is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. All right, listen to me. Fully God, fully with us. (laughs) Fully a person. God became a human so He could redeem us. Now, so one more thing I want to tell you about Emmanuel. Most theologians believe that it refers only to Jesus' incarnation. No, I shouldn't say most. Many of the 
scholars from over a hundred years ago. Okay? Many of the commentaries basically believe it only refers to Jesus incarnate form, which means in the flesh. That's the word incarnation, becoming in the flesh. I think it refers to something else, too. I don't think it only refers to God becoming a human or God being with us for 33 years. I think it refers to the dispensation of grace that began with Jesus. Because I personally believe that God is still with us. Here's the third point. We believe that He's still with us. John 14, verse 16. And I'm going to pray to the Father. And He will give you another Helper. Capital H. That He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Now watch this. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, let me just say something. God, through the Holy Spirit, takes Emmanuel to a whole other level. Emmanuel means God with us, but the Holy Spirit means God in us. He's just not with us anymore. He's in you. Now, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have God in you. Dwelling in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about God came in human form to redeem us so that God could be with us, but so that we could be with God and so we could be in Christ and Christ could be in us. Now, I don't know if this excites you as much as I do, but this is just, I know it's, it's kind of doctrinal, it's kind of theological. But Emmanuel, God with us, means He was fully God, born of a virgin, and He came in the flesh, He was fully man. There's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah that a lot of us know it's on Christmas cards. Matter of fact, I think it's on the Christmas card I'm sending out this year. I think I chose this verse. I like this verse. There are a lot of messianic prophecies, by the way, in Isaiah. It probably has the most in it, I think. But there's a verse that a lot of people don't think about, that I want you to see. The message of Christmas is God with us. The message of Christmas is He was fully God and He became fully man so that He could redeem us for our sins. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a verse, I just want to show it to you, and I want you to see if you see human and divine in the verse. Okay? That's what Jesus was. Fully divine, fully human. I want to just read you this verse, and I want you to see the human, and I want you to see the divine. Alright, just watch for it and see if you see it. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You see it? As a human, he was born. But as the Son of God, he was given. That's what I want you to get out of Christmas. I want you to understand that God didn't send someone else to redeem you. He came Himself. And there was only one way that He could redeem humans. And that was for the Creator to become the creation and to suffer and die. 
Unto us a child, a human, is born. Unto us a son, the Son of God, is given. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We were separated by a chasm that we couldn't cross. So God crossed it for us. God became a man and crossed that chasm for us. If you're here tonight and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't have to leave here that way. You don't have to leave not knowing if you die tonight, you're going to go to heaven. We want to help you. You can pray a prayer in your heart and mean business with God. And that's how you get saved. By accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you. And some of you say, well, I've tried before. It's not believing in your mind. It's believing in your heart. If you're here tonight and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want to just lead you in a prayer. Just right where you're seated. With your eyes closed right now. No one looking around and you're, you're you're just alone with God right now. If that's you, you don't know if you die, you go to heaven. I just want you to pray a prayer after me right now. As I pray this out loud, you just pray this in your heart and just say it to God. Just, just If that's you, say this to God. Dear God, just say that to Him in your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin and come into my life I receive you as my Lord and my Savior 